0: Oh. Uh-huh.
1: You are one of two podcasters which have come into our space on a mission of podcasting. This is not permissible. Yet we have analyzed you and learned that your podcasting tendencies are inherent. So be it. We will control them.
0: Gone. Going, 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 gone, going, 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 gone? Yeah, Yay! we're ready for Gorn! Yay, Missy! I cannot believe I nailed predicting you... this episode last week.
1: Astonishing! This You're had, like, had to, be in, this had this to be in the back of my
0: head. This had to be in the back of my head. There's no way I would 360 no scoped this without having some familiarity of like spying, spotting that Gorn in the distance, knowing the word arena, and being like, "Hey, okay, wait a minute." Yeah, I could not believe it, and it really it went. Everything as I thought. They are teleported to a planet. There's an arena. Yep. They fight. Yep. There's a Gorn. Yep. And ladies and gentlemen, that's not a spoiler. That's the episode. That is those things stretched out (laughs) over 50 fucking minutes of this. And then the other part is the shit being like, well, we have no effect on these events whatsoever. Yep. We simply can watch like you, the audience. And at a point, <laughs> literally are watching footage and to give us to be like, well, hey, uh, we're just going to let you see what's going on in the planet. So and then at the end, they're like, well, we saw what you saw because they were playing it on our television. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we were watching this. The it was NBC, the NBC broadcast. Yep yes yeah. uh, yep. it just made me laugh so much but yeah yep. oh my fucking god this episode is tastic, and i understand yes. why like okay let's get this out of the gate i have to talk about this part of it before I
1: please this
0: episode is bad this episode is yes. so bad this episode is atrocious if we're yes. talking about any realistic ah. measurements of what is a quality quote-unquote of good But was this episode me going, oh, holy crap, the entire time Mm -hmm. laughing my ass off and being like, this cannot be happening. Mm -hmm. This is not what's going on. Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, oh, I know why this is memorable. That's what I will say. I understand why this is a memorable, if not, you know, fan favorite episode for it. But, oh, my God, was it just stretching, stretching this material As long as we can. And I'm curious if we're going to get behind the scene notes on it. I'm going to withdraw my breath because I need. Oh, Emily. Oh, Captain Emily.
1: Welcome, everyone.
0: Why did we get transported here?
1: Welcome to Red Shards. You've been put in this arena to do battle with the entire episode of Arena. And Missy, I am so fucking excited to tell you the story of Arena. I. Oh because is, is, this by God. A,
0: is this a gene are we gonna have a good oh, about the gene here
1: this is a certain gene oh, a particular gene wasn't a particular involved,
0: gene yes. okay
1: uh and that would be mr gene l coon that's right the man who wrote this episode the producer they hired so they would not die um that that Ron Berry and Justman hired so they would not die under the stress that is Star Trek. Um, so they
0: they didn't die underneath a tree in Safari USA.
1: Yes, yes. So that so that someone would be back at the office writing a script while they're underneath a tree oh my God. <laughs> in Africa USA. So this was written by Gene kuhn because Gene kuhn was like, we need something to film. Like Justman was like, we need something to film like yesterday. And Gene Al was like, all right, I got it. Fuck all these other scripts I've been working on. He hadn't been able to write anything new because he had been fixing everyone else's scripts that they had bought before they even, like, showed Star Trek to anyone. Um, and he's like, fuck it. I'm writing my own. And he dashed out this fucking outline in a day. Literally. He did it in a day. And then he finished the script so fast that the notes from NBC hadn't even gotten back yet.
0: Was this a 38-page outline like we previously had heard of, or is it a true outline, a short outline?
1: Well, that's a really good question, Missy, because um, 18 pages is how long the 1944 science fiction story by Frederick Brown arena was yeah somebody that they were (laughs) someone forgot that they read a lot of astounding science fiction
0: (laughs) Uh oh i forgot that um plagiarizing things exist and my brain did some light (laughs) plagiarizing
1: 100p basically like not only first, they got back the notes from NBC and Stan Robertson was like, I love it. I'm going to cry tears of joy from how much I love this script. Uh, and I just think a couple of things like maybe we see what the enterprise is doing during that long battle, which is why we get them watching the NBC broadcast with us. Um, and uh <laughs> the research notes from Kellum DeForest came back. This is Kellum DeForest research. There's a, a number of humans who work there. Uh, not just one guy named Kellum DeForest, like I thought.
0: I, I was just going to uh. say, and like, w- <laughs> what are the odds of uh, me ever hearing DeForest again and not assuming it's Kelly?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> and they're like, so um, this is exactly Arena by Frederick Brown um it just have you read it so they're like fuck um we're they fly someone out to see frederick Brown to meet him and they're like hey so have you ever thought about like writing for this show star trek and he's like well no and i am a book writer I write stories I do not know how to write TV I have never written for TV before what an interesting question you have randomly asked me random person from like <laughs> Desilu Studios who I just met
0: and they're just like chance hey you know is this a skill set that you sure. happen to have in your repertoire uh, to be fair it seems like so many of gene's picks are authors who have literally never touched yeah. a screenplay before and are right? learning it on the job
1: right That's so what they should have
0: no 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 mean, all of our people just do this
1: yeah you could have just done with gene al which is Have a TV writer turn a sci-fi story into a TV script and then, and then, and then buy the story and then buy the story afterwards, Yes, (laughs) which is what they did. They're basically like, so like, you should totally think of selling your story. And they're like, and he's like, sure. I mean, I guess I'd have to read the script first. Uh, if If someone else is writing the script and they're like, "Cool, cool, 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 cool. The next day the script is on his desk. He's like, "What? They didn't tell him that the script had already been written.
0: Our writer is so fast. he whipped this out overnight, and mm-hmm. so we're just sending it to you because he happens his first draft is ready
1: right now. yeah, it's just it's just ready. Um And not only that, but Missy, I read. All 18 pages of Frederick Brown's arena. Oh my God. And it is a dupe down to Kirk's leg injury.
0: Wow. Wow. Like, <laughs>
1: like, you would think, like, there's like the standard, like, okay, so like two species are put in an arena and they have to fight to the death for the, for the, you know, continued survival of the species. Like, sure. By a third party. Like, sure you know that that's copying i guess you know it's one of those things where it's like all right but that's like a pretty good like sci-fi premise that like anyone could have come up with nah dude like down to the feelings of revulsion that they just psychically have towards each other uh you know maybe maybe
0: this guy just wrote the most basic act like basic ass short story ever. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing is that he wrote something so in the collective unconscious that they I two mean, made it at the same time because it's just so obvious.
1: That's the fucking thing though about amazing science fiction in fucking 40s is that all of those are they're such old American sci-fi and like so much of it has been repeated ad nauseum in tons and tons of works. But like because it has been repeated so much, and therefore kept alive because they're great ideas, um, we don't know where it came from. One wouldn't nope. remember if one had read it as a child. So yeah, I have a couple of, of little bits from this story, which I'm, uh, I want to go through after, so that we can go through sort of like, we can do a little compare-contrast. Amazing science fiction in 1944. And, you know, it's a pretty good story for being written so fucking long ago. In fact, I'm not even entirely sure when it was written, but I think it was written before it was published by at least 10 years. So, Missy, are you excited to hear the story uh, of Arena?
0: I am. It is from 19...
1: 1944 Uh, so in the original in this beautiful original um we start with no one knew who the outsiders were what they looked like or from what galaxy they came uh first there had been sporadic raids on earth colonies and outposts ooh sounds similar and then isolated battles uh Uh, then at a certain point a certain soldier who is lined up ready to have this climactic battle with these outsiders inside his head he heard it not with his ears it came from nowhere or everywhere through spaces and dimensions wandering rang the words in his mind and in this space and time I send two people about to exterminate one another and so weaken the other that it would retrogress and never fulfill its destiny, but decay and return to mindless dunce, dust, dunce, like dunst, like Kirsten, um, (laughs) dunst, dust, whence it came and I say, this must not happen.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Uh,
1: they're pretty, then pretty
0: close to what we uh to what we see okay. at the beginning here.
1: Yeah, they're then put on a planet, uh, in which they are separated by a barrier that neither of them can cross, so that one can't physically over the power of the other, because the point of the competition is to use your minds and the weapons available to be created in this arena. There are multiple bushes. Uh, the rolling tentacled monster that we have in place of a Gorn, um, it's also red, uh, <laughs> makes a catapult out of sticks and twigs. Our human impressive, ends up winning the day uh, via the decisive factor, mercy. That's right. There's these weird little lizards there. And the roller just fucks one up and throws it across the barrier. And then another one comes to our human a little bit later and is like, hi, I need your help to kill my friend because he is hurting. And the guy's like, I guess lizards talk here. I'm going to go help him out. But that gives him like the answer that he needs to fall asleep leaning up against the wall so that unconscious he can pass through it and murder the roller. Um, Wait,
0: what? What? Yeah. He falls asleep and he passes through a wall unconscious. What does that mean?
1: Unconscious things and um, can pass through the barrier. So if you throw a rock, it'll go through the barrier and like hit your head. Oh,
0: that's weird. But no
1: living thing, he thinks. But an unconscious lizard was thrown from one side of the barrier to the other. So he's like, aha, I will fall asleep leaning against the barrier, fall into the other side. And then Smart. be able to murder my opponent. Um, and and he does so, upon which point he is transported magically back to his ship. Um, and his general is like, we've won! We've won! We can't even claim credit for it! Must have been an unstable component in the metal they used. We shot once and they all disappeared. Man, too bad you missed all the excitement. Carson managed a sickly ghost of a grin, for it would be days before he would be over the impact of his experience. But the captain wasn't watching. Yes, sir, he said. Common sense, more than modesty, told him that he'd be branded the worst liar in space if he ever said any more than that. Yes, sir, too bad I missed all the excitement. Wow. Very so slightly
0: cute. different ending.
1: Yeah, like very cute, sort of like 1940s, like, haha, like, uh, I guess I can't tell anyone about my wild experience. Uh, very cute. Let's dive into what Gene L. Kuhn created from Frederick Brown's arena. We open in the transporter room. Uh, this is like the fastest teaser. I think so. Oh far. yeah, it was really quick. It's literally two scenes. They are in the transporter room and they're like, "We're so excited to go hang out with Enstis 3 with our buddy Commodore Travers, who has this great reputation for a setting a fine table, if as McCoy wonders, he was able to bring along his personal chef." And Kirk says, "Probably rank hath its privileges." Which i thought it was funny <laughs> well we both know that <laughs> um strangely however um trevor's said to bring along their tactical people because he had an interesting problem for them so spock's like isn't that weird um and mccoy's like yeah sure but he also has food down there so i would like to go get food and spock calls him a sensualist which i like. Sure. he's like you bet your pointed ears i am it's like okay mccoy we get Some, it
0: someone likes f- pleasures of the flesh <laughs> food being one
1: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. but uh they you know they jump on the transporter beam and they are transported down onto a destroyed colony holy shit everything's in ruins uh everything has been destroyed and it has definitely been taken more than a day to cause the level of destruction that they're looking at they're like there is no way that that message was real it must have been faked this all happened several days ago space So the after the landing, yeah, the final frontier. Um, it's so fast. <laughs> um, so the landing party is taking cover because there are giant explosions going off. Yeah, on this field, it is like World War One. Um, it is ridiculous. There is one human survivor in these ruins. They have to they have to grab Lieutenant Harold. Um, Spock also notices that there are life forms nearby but they are not warm blooded. Ooh. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Uh, someone, one of, one of the red shirts, finally a red shirt, oh, hurl me, attempts to scout them out, and he, like, looks over and he's like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's so spooky over there. Look at all the spooky things. I'm about to, like, I'm about to go over there mm-hmm. so you can all see the spookiness. And he gets disintegrated. Zap,
0: zap, 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 The Lieutenant Matthews yep. Award for Red Shart of the episode,
1: mm-hmm. it goes
0: to, oh, hurl Oh, oh, hurl hurl
1: hurl um (laughs) kirk is like sulu beam us up but they're also under attack from above An unidentified starship is just bombarding them their deflector shields are up so they cannot beam up the landing party without putting uh the ship at risk and kirk is like my ship what the,
0: I want to fuck my That's shit. That's my wife. That's my what wife they have up there.
1: That's my wife. Do whatever you need to do to save my wife, Sulu. I'll the give e- my last case of Wonka bars. Just for my wife. Um, So he's like, you know, return fire. They also have deflector shields up, so it's not doing any good. He's like, shoot four-ton torpedoes. Get the fuck out of here if you have to. So Sulu's fi- like, fine. I will get the ship out of here for like a second and then come back and pick you up. Um, Here's something that I forgot to mention when I first said that we went to Cestus 3. The word Cestus comes from a type of boxing glove that was used by gladiators in, that's right, an arena. Oh,
0: what a clever play on words there. I never would have, if you had asked me what that right. would mean, I never would have gotten to Boxing Glove.
1: Right? It's just, like, arena thing! Um, you know, anytime it's not Lieutenant Noel, who he met at Christmas. Noel. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Sulu ops, he takes the ship fuck away. Kirk gets to do this awesome, like, running against, running, like, along the battlefield thing where he like rolls away from an explosion and then yeah. like rolls away from another one to try and get to the arsenal. Um he got permanent tinnitus <gasps> from
0: this. Oh no for this episode? For this? Yeah. Oh, so no. did Brock. Oh no, and I have tinnitus. It's sucks. Yeah. Poor guys. Fuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um sorry i just have a big like all caps like in the middle of like three different paragraphs that just which give him tinnitus. i'm like okay um
0: the planet tinnitus <laughs> would be a good planet
1: yes but he's able to get a grenade launcher which is like a tube that you put shiny eggs in and they're like fuck dude like that's gonna come down like way closer to us than like it should. And he's like, fuck it, this is all we got. And he throws a grenade in there and then another boom, big ass tinnitus boom. Boop, 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 boop. Uh, Kellowitz, which is another of these officers, which is gonna die, is like, Lang has been killed. Um, you know, pour one out for another red shirt homie, Lang.
0: Died off screen. We don't even get to see the death.
1: Off screen. He was going to die on screen but they cut that because NBC was well, like no, don't they. make it too scary the kids will say everyone died and it's too mm, spoopy don't make it look too spoopy don't make the, the damaged place look too spoopy don't make any bodies be there cause that's spoopy to me Halloween's not for 10 more
0: months of the calendar year when this aired mm.
1: Um. so Kirk is like alright cool let's hang out here for a second catch our breaths the enterprise returns once it, there's a lot of little loops in this episode that just yeah, make uh,
0: yeah just make,
1: so like Sulu leaves and comes back immediately like they mm-hmm. don't there's no time spent like wondering if Sulu's gonna come back like he's back already he might as well not have left and he they're able to pick up uh, the the captain and everyone and then go back after the ship that was attacking them that had then come after them because they had left and then turned around to come back to Cestis. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, Captain's Log supplement they've been back to the Enterprise they're immediately in pursuit of an alien vessel and it is going towards that's right, an unexplored section of the galaxy because
0: that's always where we have to end up in these.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. uh, we go to sick bay because we have a survivor, we have Lieutenant Harold, and he is giving the most hilarious performance. Oh
0: my god, I wasn't sure if my acting ometer was off, I thought this <laughs> was unhinged. And he went for it, but...
1: So angry! It was like he was angry at Kirk. He's like, why did they attack us? Why? Why would they attack us? We had babies! And it's like, dude, we know! Like...
0: I mean, it was very much the horror! The horror!
1: It's... Abso- it was It was un-fucking-hinged. Um, And he is... He, he is pissed. He's like, you know we set up this shit and these people just came and we're like, we have women and children. Like we don't want to be in your like area of space if we're not supposed to. And they just killed the shit out of us. And I'm mad at you about it. It's wild. Um, So uh, Kirk is basically like, you know why this must've happened? Because Obviously, Harold doesn't know what is like, "Oh, clearly that message you got was faked." yep, because I was there being shot at. Um, it Kirk is like, all right, the only reason these guys may have must have done this because they were calling us what's special about us, the enterprise we're the only protection that exists for federation uh inhabitants in this part of the galaxy yeah we're the nearest starship and kirk is like that has got to equal invasion like two plus two equals invasion essentially like we need to you know get this fucking ship uh so he he's just like red alert this is no drill um head at them at warp six
0: not warp six
1: there's also that really funny part there is a really funny little bit that kirk says that i don't have forbidden, but it's essentially um like well if we catch and destroy their ship They will never know what our capabilities are. And they will never again try invasion. Like, okay, uh, sure. That's pretty certain.
0: Escalating has never, ever had consequences.
1: Like, no one's ever going to send another ship out? Like, just to see what the fuck's going on? Like, the ship never came back. We don't even know, like...
0: If the ship was coming because it was like, oh, they were a colonizing ship or whatever, they probably would be like, where are our colonizers? Why have we not got contact? If it's a military ship, they're probably yeah. like, why have they not got back from their mission? Did I? It's really weird to assume that they would just be like one and done out yeah.
1: there. Yeah. So that's bizarre. Uh, but he's like positive. So he's like, all right, let's go. And he's like, the aliens have jumped to warp six as well. And Kirk's like sitting in the bridge and he's like warp seven and everyone on the know. bridge turns around and is like <gasps> not warp shocking. seven not warp I didn't warp.
0: know numbers went that high <laughs>
1: um, and like Spock's like the ship's gonna overheat and explode and Scotty's like the ship's gonna overheat and explode Um, uh, like
0: I'm gonna overheat and explode warp seven
1: straight up Spock is like Okay, that is sentient life, though. And we all know that Spock, when backed against a corner, uh, is going to be like, why are humans so violent? Mm-hmm. Why do you always want to kill sentient creatures that are actively murdering you at that moment?
0: <laughs> he's very, he's very turned the other cheek.
1: Exactly. Um, but... Kirk is like, nah, none of this. Uh, A crime has already been committed. The perpetrators must be punished. And we need to move to warp eight. (gasps) On
0: uh, ludicrous speed. Ludicrous. It just like. Like, their brains melt.
1: People are gasping at their chests. They're fainting. The va- like they're they're screaming about how they have the vapors. Like clearly, the
0: captain's out of control. This
1: is what's happening on the bridge right now. Um, <laughs> closing in at warp eight, the Enterprise records a weird scanning beam coming in from an uncharted solar system. The alien is not approaching. The system, it appears that this third party is just kind of like checking them out. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like towards directly where they're going, it's just like looking at them and they're like, Well, that's casually
0: observing.
1: And then that's when they see that the ship that they're chasing is slowing down. And not only is it just slowing down, it's coming to a dead stop in space. A dead stop in space. Kirk closes in because he's like, fucking sweet. Now we can get them hella fast because we're already going at warp eight. Yeah. But they start to slow down as well. And Mm -hmm. bam, they are stopped. They are grabbing the ship. They are rolling (laughs) around. They are all
0: confused. They're like, what the... Uh, what, Kirk's like, what's going on? Why are we moving? Everyone
1: keep moving again. And every single person's like, we don't know. We just, we just, I mean, just everything's okay. There's no damage. To a dead stop in space. This is something else that Callum DeForest researched like talk to them about they're like okay well if you're going at warp eight they just put on their best imdb they're like if you're going at warp eight and come to a sudden dead stop in space everything inside would still be going at <gasps> warp eight and so they would be obliterated inside of as if
0: as if they didn't have science for like anti-gravity effects that have like, you be able to not like they're walking around in space yeah with, with without floating around yeah. so clearly clearly we like, have the technology
1: yeah like i super did not buy that little bit of like <clears throat> but whatever it was a big deal for all of them um and i guess that's why he had everyone go like <gasps> How fast are you going? But they come to a dead fucking stop. And all of their screens go psychedelic. That's right. We got all kinds of colors on these screens.
0: <laughs>
1: and that is when we get Missy. I have for you our first cold rate of the episode.
0: <laughs> oh my word. Here That's it comes. right. Okay. Okay.
1: I will be everyone but the Metatron, unless you so desire to be Kirk. But I feel like, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to hear your Metatron.
0: We are the Metrons. You are one of the two crafts which have come into our space on a mission of violence. This is not permissible. Yet we have analyzed you and have learned that your violent tendencies are inherent. (laughs) So be it. We will control them. We will resolve your conflict in the way most suited to your limited mentalities. Captain James Kirk. This is Kirk. We have prepared a planet with a suitable atmosphere. You will be taken down there, and as will the captain of the Gorn ship, which you have been pursuing. There you shall settle your dispute. I don't understand. You will be provided with a recording translating device, in hopes that a chronicle of this contest will serve to dissuade others of your kind from entering our system. But you will not be permitted to communicate with your ship. You will each be totally alone.
1: What makes you think that you can interfere with?
0: It is you who are interfering. We are simply putting a stop to it. The place we have prepared for you contains sufficient elements for either of you to construct weapons lethal enough to destroy the other, which seems to be your intention. The winner of the contest will be permitted to go his way unharmed. The loser, along with his ship, shall be destroyed in the interests of peace. The contest will be one of ingenuity against ingenuity, brute strength against brute strength. The results will be final. Just a minute. There will be no discussion. It is done. Act three! I just gotta say, this somehow is a meme in one of my group checks. There is no discussion is a literal meme from something that I accidentally said one time. Uh, that everyone was like, there is no discretion. So me landing on that line is brilliant for myself because it it's it's so appropriate. Yeah, yes. this the this voice, I was like, I've heard this voice before, and I've heard this voice on Star Trek before. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? We have heard this voice on Star oh, Trek before. Tell me. You didn't oh
1: oh I know Baila. you heard it. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's
0: the alien from uh the the wonderful episode with, with
1: Little, little Clint Howard.
0: Clint Howard, yeah, Clint Howard. Howard, Clint
1: Howard, yes, yeah. little, little Clint. Team. That's right, and it, it it is also the voice of uh, that controls the vertical. It controls the horizontal. Uh, uh. It is in the outer limits. It's the control oh, voice for the outer I limits. I
0: didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they fucking knew because Jasmine had worked on the outer limits. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So. <laughs> There will be no discussion. Kirk disappears. Just pop. He's gone. And Uhura has the most intense scream at this moment. Oh,
0: my God. It was perfect. It
1: was so perfect. It made me jump. And I knew it was coming. And I'm like, oh, like every time.
0: It was the scream of like when in a murder mystery the lights come on again and there's a body in the middle of the room except this was the complete opposite where there was absolutely nothing.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, So Kirk appears suddenly where none other but Vasquez rocks. That's right. Vasquez rocks. One of the places where they shot. That's right. Surely Hey so he's hanging out at Fazca's rocks. He has just appeared. He does not have his weapon. Instead, he has a belt on with a with a device, a random cylinder. And across from him is the evil <laughs> reptilian. <laughs> the
0: I every time that creature was on, I always heard the. <laughs> in the background i lost my goddamn fucking mind because i'm like wow every time this is going to be consistent it's like this lizard is not not making noises give him a fucking inhaler someone like Mm -hmm. i need him to be able to breathe through his like reptilian sinuses Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm um so the gorn was of course designed and built by our fave watching
0: yes i recognized his touch i figured mm-hmm. that's who designed this
1: mm-hmm. and of course his little uh like halter top dress that he's wearing is like uh wilma flintstone dress that he's yeah. got on was in designed by uh Thies, who was the design the costume designer for everything else um and there were three different dudes in there um wait really Yes, not at the same time.
0: Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay.
1: So there were wa- there were Bobby Clark spent most of the time in there. Uh, Gary Combs spent some other time. And there was also William Blackburn, who wore the head for a couple close ups. Okay. And the voice was none other. You rang. That's oh. right, it's Ted Cassidy, our favorite. Um so,
0: this <laughs> is his third appearance within the series, mm-hmm. isn't it? Two mm-hmm. times as a voice and one time as a body.
1: Yes, uh, in What Little Girls Are Made Of. Yes. So, Bobby Clark was brought on by Joseph Pevney, who was the director for this episode. Uh, another story about Pevny is he was hired because he was known to be fast and he was offered 500 extra dollars to bring this in on time. And boy, did he get his 500 fucking dollars. Um, so when. He was talking to Rodberry. He's like, "We need a we need stunt men for this suit. Like don't well, yeah, uh, don't give course. me a fucking actor. Like they're going to die. Like we need someone who can do like physical shit.
0: This is not uh, a theme park mascot."
1: No. Um, so he's like, "I know the guy, Bobby Clark. I'm going to call him up." And he called him up and he's like, "Hey, um I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a role for you. It's super awesome. You're gonna love this role. It's this really great role. You're gonna love this role. I can't tell you what it is right now because I'm, I'm really busy working on the episode. Go down <laughs> to Desilu Studios, like go to this department. Like they're waiting for you in costuming. Like you're gonna love this role. You're gonna love it. And like hung up, and he's like, okay. So he goes down to Desilu, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is the rube with the costume in it. And he's like, I see no costume here. I don't understand. (laughs) And they're like, well, you're the Gorn, aren't you? And he's like, what What is a Gorn? What is a Gorn? (laughs) And after he got the costume on, he's like, aha, so this is why I was not told what this would be. (laughs) Uh,
0: I've I've been duped.
1: I've been duped um some notes that he got before playing the gorn were don't Don't die don't don't die don't drink too much coffee the morning of because it takes forever to get you in and out of your suit so if you have to take a pee it's gonna
0: suck
1: it's gonna suck um he was also told move more slowly you are a reptilian
0: I mean, he took that note to heart. My God.
1: They already can't move fast in that outfit. Like, that like, was something what? Justin said. He's like, this person's not going to be able to go faster than a walking pace. Like, the, even slower.
0: It's a meandering pace.
1: meander So, uh, after production, this there were two Gorn costumes that were made for, like, you know, throughout um and they were placed in robert justman's office uh often dressed up one dressed up to look like a girl gorn uh to to scare visitors Um, (laughs) (laughs) precisely so kirk we get a little a little off camera like it's large, it's reptilian, and he seems to have an instinctive revulsion to reptiles. He, he cannot help but hate this creature and must remind himself that it's a captain of a starship. Like, yeah. it's as clever as him. Like, he, ha- he must assume. The Gorn uh, breaks off the branch of a tree mm-hmm. like yeah. it's a stick, like it's a... Uh. I really no. love,
0: because his whole monologue is like, I have to assume that it's smart, intelligent, and it's capable of all things. What do we see you do next? Just break up a branch and go, ah!
1: Nope.
0: Just get ready to club him. Like, okay. Nope.
1: Just come <laughs> at him with a big old branch. Um, so Kirk is a lot more fast than this thing, but mm-hmm. not Absolutely. remotely as strong. And it is so fucking slow. Like this thing, it's not just that it's a reptile. It's a reptile at night. On a cold night. Like, it is daytime, and it's breezy when they were shooting. Like, you can see uh, Kirk's thermal underwear because (sighs) it was breezy outside. Yeah. But those fucking Goran were not breezy. They're in a rubber suit. Um, And that's, like, fucking... All right. If we're going to talk about stopping dead at Warp (laughs) 8, then can we talk about how fast, like, gators and crocodiles can go, because they can go pretty fucking fast once they're warmed up.
0: Yeah, they can. They can snatch a chicken in seconds.
1: They don't even need to be that warm, like, in order to do it. Uh, So, (laughs) they fight, you know? He throws a big old rock at the gorn. It bounces off the gorn.
0: Uh, And the gorn just kind of looks at it like, what? Okay.
1: Picks up a big-ass boulder and, like, tries to throw it at Kirk. Barely misses Kirk. Uh, he, you know, they run off to sort of, like, different corners. Um, I
0: realized this episode is going to be a bunch of rocks th- yep. thrown at each other back and forth throughout the entire episode. In different ways. A variety yep. of ways.
1: Yep. Um, And then this is my very favorite thing in this episode and in maybe all of star trek um captain kirk was given a device that the metron as you will remember mentioned was a recording translating device yes yes for posterity and boy when you give a captain something to take a log in, you get it uh missy Do you want to head over to Discord for our second cold read? Yes. And this time, it's all Kirk. Except for that one part that's in all caps, where I am going to describe what I wrote.
0: Yes. This is Captain James Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. Whoever finds this, please get it to Starfleet Command. I'm engaged in a personal combat with a creature apparently called a Gorge. He's immensely strong, already has withstood attacks from me which would have killed a human being. Fortunately, though, he's strong. He's not agile. The agility, and I hope the cleverness, is mine. The Metrons, the creatures that sent us both here, said that the surface of the planet provides the raw materials to construct weapons. There's very little here. Scrub brush, rocks, an abundance of mineral deposits, but no weapons in the conventional sense. Still, I need to find one. They're handed against the Gorn. I have no chance.
1: So, um... (laughs) Magnificent. Basically, after uh, Kirk says that he's fighting a creature called Gorn, we head on over to see what the Gorn's doing right now. He's listening to Kirk on the translating device, which is literally just like a walkie-talkie. And he does a comedy fucking spit-take as the Gorn. Like, he looks at the thing and then, like, looks out like back and then like looks back at it it, like what the fuck is this guy doing
0: hilarious i couldn't (laughs) believe they got like essentially a double take like put in there for it
1: (laughs) it's so amazing he's just like what like i just love that kirk is like okay so this is a translating recording device i'm not even gonna try i'm not even gonna like explore what its features might be i'm just going to trust and assume that it is for me to make journal entries so it's wonderful so now the gorn knows that kirk knows that he is far too weak
0: yeah it's like hilarious because it's it it, i i i'm just having like a repeated gif of that gorn staring into it and just hearing like the diegetic voice like on there and stuff it's so
1: crazy it's so fucking insane um so back on the enterprise i have another little fun bit for us just because it's some mccoy spock stuff which is very gino coon and i think is fucking hilarious he makes mccoy so mean like oh, i think yeah. that the meanest mccoy shit that like just the virulent shit that comes out of his mouth um so i have for us just exactly what happens on that bridge and, uh, I will be Spock and you, McCoy.
0: Okay. What are you going to do, Mr. Spock?
1: I am going to wait, Doctor. There is little else I can do.
0: What about the captain?
1: If I could help him, I would. I cannot.
0: Now, you, you're the one that always talking about logic. What about some logic now? Where is the captain, Mr. Spock?
1: He's out there, Doctor. Out there somewhere in a thousand cubic parsecs of space. And there's absolutely nothing we can do to help him. And that's what happens whoa, on the Enterprise! Whoa, whoa.
0: And then, cut back to...
1: The Gordon and Kirk fight! Um, I just love, he's just like, What about your precious logic now? They, essentially, like, dude,
0: every, like, time, fuck? every time they cut back to the Enterprise, it is just someone saying, Well, we can't do a damn thing there's not a damn thing that we can do at all we can either <laughs> like, just wow. sit here and think about it or <laughs> at a certain point just watch it
1: we sure can not do anything right now yep <laughs> we sure cannot um so kirk uh is just running around Vasquez rocks he goes past the same clump of rocks like five times at a certain point he comes up a bunch a bunch of bamboo he's like wow bamboo it's so big uh and then he is like looking over at like the gorn the gorn is clearly constructing something just like an intelligent being while Kirk just runs around and is like minerals i don't know what these minerals are here for but he decided that he wanted to tell us what the minerals were thank goodness he's like oh there's diamonds Perhaps the hardest substance in the universe. Mm-hmm. And they're all beautifully crystallized and, and, and pointed, but they're too small to use as a weapon. I would trade them all for a hand phaser or a good solid club. Yet the Metron said there would be weapons. Where can I find them? Where? What kind? And the Gorn is just listening. The Gorn is just listening to this guy be a fucking idiot. Like, dude, make a spear. Like, try that. He yeah. does- in both arena, the short story, and in the original script, but they just took that part out because. Oh, uh, okay. But I mean, at least if he had like started by making like any single weapon, like an arrowhead, to keep with him,
0: something pointy, yeah, exactly. Even
1: a pointy rock. I don't know. The first thing I would find is something that I could carry on my person that would be pointy, just in case I get jumped. You know. But whatever. Um, he is watching the Gorn work. And he looks up above and he sees, much like in the acclaimed series, The Land Before Time and all of its subsequent uh, uh, sequels, there's a big rock above the Gorn. And maybe if he pushes the big rock off the cliff, it'll hit the Gorn. This happens in literally every Land Before Time. They have to push a big rock off a cliff. Every single one. (laughs) So he sees this big rock on this cliff, and he climbs up, and he pushes it over, and the Gorn looks up, but it's too late. Oh, and it hits the Gorn, and the Gorn's lying still under the rock, and Kirk sort of, like, approaches the Gorn under the rock. Yeah, and he's um, like,
0: well, my job's done here. I'm gonna be transported off any moment now.
1: Uh, and he's like, ha ha, I've done a great job. Like, he smiles. He's just like, ha good for me. The Gorn fucking gets up and it launches yep. the rock onto yep. Kirk.
0: Yep. He's just like, oh, that was inconvenient at most.
1: Not only that, um, the Gorn had constructed an entire trap. There is a trip wire that Kirk has now fallen over. It has fucked up its leg. Yeah. His leg, and he has Kirk under a rock, under a bunch of vines. He moves the rock and thankfully Kirk is still agile enough to dart away once the rock is moved and he is able to get just, you know, just away. And even with a limp, he's able to outrun the slow reptilian. Um, that is when we find yellow powder on a rock. Yeah.
0: Like, oh, OK. What is this?
1: And he's like, mm, this may be my last entry. I am almost exhausted unless I find the weapon the Metaron mentioned, which is also fucking insane. Because you remember that it's a recording translating device, but you don't remember that he said there are things you can use to make weapons. Not yeah. there is make, a secret weapon make
0: here. Uh,
1: and my favorite one of my favorite jokes so they play on this a lot in Futurama's episode where no fan has gone before which we spoke about previously oh. uh when we talked about Trelane um they do this thing where like you know the Futurama crew has to fight the Star Trek crew and he and uh the creature is like oh like there's you know things you can use to make weapons on this planet and fry's like what can we use what can we use and it backs up and there's just a bunch of guns on a tree <laughs> yeah yeah there's like a, a pile of nuclear warheads like labeled nicely and he's like what'll we do um that that's kind of what it feels like kirk is wanting it, in this pretty moment. much he's just like where
0: it, where is it, it, the
1: it's... phaser sitting on the rock that says kirk for you
0: for the reason that this episode is like kind of terrible is that Kirk is just a boob the whole time. Yeah. Like he's so not Kirk like because he's just running around going like, oh I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm playing no. I Spy for a weapon, but I guess I can't think of any other thing besides a phaser. Like mm-hmm. that's all I can picture we be getting.
1: Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But he's like, all right, sulfur diamonds. There's something about sulfur, something very old. Only I can remember. So I do love now that he has, he's letting the Gorn know every time he's getting weaker. I love to know that about my opponents when they yeah. feel almost exhausted and about to die. Like he doesn't, I don't know. It's just like not a lot of thought. Um, so here's hears, hears the Gorn roar and runs off. And now <laughs> we have some more Metatron. Because we're back at the Enterprise doing Metron, not Metatron. Metatron mm-hmm. is the angel. Um, even though it's based on the the angel, but it's Metron. Like the Metreon theater, yeah, which is what I and, always think of.
0: And I love that you put this section in because I was going to mention it if you didn't. Because it has the second instance of something that we'll see after this. We are the Metrons. Your captain is losing his battle. We would suggest you make whatever memorial arrangements, if any, which are customary in your culture. We believe you have very little time left.
1: We appeal to you in the name of civilization. Put a stop to this.
0: Your violent intent and actions demonstrate that you are not civilized. However, we are not without compassion. It is possible you may have feelings toward your captain, <laughs> so, that we, so that you will be able to prepare yourself we will allow you to see and hear what is now transpiring. And then they just turn yep. on NBC and they just yep. show Kirk fighting the Gorn on like a view screen. And then mm-hmm. Kirk and McCoy, or uh, Spock and McCoy, are and just it. like just well, everyone gathers yes, around. The watch this now.
1: They'll gather around, like, they're like, oh, what's going to happen next? And yeah, just what chat can we do? about it.
0: Oh, nothing.
1: So this was put in because Roddenberry was like, all right, what we have is a lot. Of uh, like on camera, like off camera narration by Kirk, yeah, like his yeah. thoughts, and not a lot of the Enterprise in the back half of this episode. So, what if we just have the crew watch and be like, "Oh, we sure hope Kirk figures this thing out."
0: Mm-hmm. Again, Boy. saying there's nothing we can do, but this is the second time that a, a, a like a disembodied voice has assumed that they have religious and like funeral rights and they're going to give you some time to like do Mm -hmm. your little memorial for it. And I'm just like, wow, even like aliens really are into this whole like, oh, we know some of y'all got like, you know, death rights. So if you have them, use them.
1: If you got them, go for it. Um, Which is just (laughs) wild. Um, It's so funny. So the bridge crew watch uh and that's when we see finally the corn the gorn uses the transmitter device to speak back
0: earthling captain
1: who is this the metron
0: this is your opponent earthling i have heard every word you have said
1: all right what do you want
0: i'm weary of the chase Wait for me. I shall be merciful and quick.
1: Like you were at Cestus Three.
0: You are intruding. You establish an outpost in our space.
1: You butchered helpless human beings.
0: We destroyed invaders, as I shall destroy you. Uh,
1: yeah, so we get some, some Gorn action. We hear, oh no, oh no, but were we the invaders? Was it mm-hmm. us who were really the invaders? Are we the, the baddies? Invaders? Are we the baddies? And that's basically what happens on the ship. Like yeah. McCoy's just like, Spock, were we the baddies? And Spock's like, probably.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's possible. It's possible they had people there already. And so us colonizing it was, you know, an act of aggression. I don't know.
1: What's great is I just I love how he says merciful. He's like, I weary of the chase. Wait for me. I shall be merciful, merciful. and quick. And it's like, what is this voice? Merciful. Uh, so <laughs> perhaps it was humans that were wrong, but it's okay because the Gorn and Kirk get back to fighting.
0: Oh yes, right away.
1: Immediately, there's no, there's no talking this out. No but of words. Spock is pretty fucking pleased because he's watching Kirk go past the same five outcroppings of rock with different colored <laughs> yeah, minerals again, and on again. them, and he's like fascinating. Good, good. As like Kirk, like starts making a tool.
0: The same uh, good, good that the Emperor uses with ooh. Anakin and 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 uh, uh the Rise of the sip
1: He's all like, he knows, Doctor. He has reasoned it out. And I'm like, this isn't reasoning something out. This is remembering the formula for gunpowder and yeah. realizing that you have the ingredients. Yeah, exactly. Um, but sure. Sure, but Spock's they're like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and that's basically when Spock says, like, oh, he's making a gun with diamonds as the projectile.
0: Yeah, and it is so funny because they just start watching it and commenting as if you were watching like American Gladiators, being like, Oh, they found it, they found the thing, mm-hmm. and they're combining it. Like, oh, interesting, interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Spock is like hella impressed. He's like, ah. If he can get it off, maybe he'll win. Um, would this work? Would this cannon work? Well, on MythBusters, they tried it.
0: Oh my god! In two thousand
1: and nine, and they they deemed it implausible. But maybe. But they they gave up that perhaps due to the properties of the Metron's planet, it would have worked. I, However, oh uh,
0: yes. Yeah, so they said it's not possible on Earth, but science fiction. <laughs>
1: But he does. He finishes the cannon. He like ripe, uh, wraps vines around it, and the idea that he's like making it stronger because mm-hmm. Callum DeForest research was like, "What? This doesn't make any sense." So he's it would explode, and so Jean uh, Kuhn also made it explode. Um, so he Kirk sets off. He uses the translating device to create a spark to set off the gunpowder that he created inside of the thing, and then. And then and it explodes. And but it projectiles. Not only does it explode and send Kirk going back, but it projectiles the diamonds into the Gorn. Ah brr. He is incapacitated. And that's when he he's almost able to like cut the guy's throat, cut the Gorn's throat. When our final showdown, Missy.
0: All right. Do you want to be Kirk?
1: No, no, no. Or you can be Kirk.
0: Okay. No. No, I won't kill you. Maybe you thought you were protecting yourself when you attacked the outpost. No, no, I won't kill him. Do you hear? You'll have to get your entertainment someplace else.
1: The Gorn disappears, and a young blonde boy in a white shift appears instead. You're a Metron? Does my appearance surprise you, Captain?
0: You seem more like a boy.
1: I am approximately 1,500 of your Earth years old. You surprise me, Captain. How? By sparing your helpless enemy, who surely would have destroyed you, you demonstrated the advanced trait of mercy, something we hardly expected. We feel there may be hope for your kind. Therefore, you will not be destroyed. It would not be civilized. What happened to the Gorn? I sent him back to his ship. If you like, I shall destroy him for you.
0: No, that won't be necessary. We can talk. Maybe reach an arrangement.
1: Very good, Captain. There is hope for you. Perhaps in several thousand years, your people and mine shall meet to reach an agreement. Ah, uh, so, yeah... He's just like, you are still half savage, but there is hope. We will contact you when we are ready. The
0: biggest backhanded compliment ever. Just being like, oh, you are so good for a big old piece of shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, who would have thought a big old piece of shit like you wouldn't be as shitty?
0: Yeah, like, huh. But again, that's... How many times has this already happened in Star Trek where basically an alien speech is just like, oh, we misunderstood you. You're more, you're not as violent as we thought, or you're more violent than we thought. Like, it's just so funny that it's either way, it doesn't matter.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kirk has returned to the Enterprise. He is no longer dusty and dirty from battle, uh, which is the same thing that happens in Arena, uh, the short story. Uh. And they're also 500 parsecs away from where they had Yeah,
0: been. they just, like, got fucking jolted somewhere else. Yeah.
1: Like, the Metrons were just like, we're putting you guys as far apart as possible. Yeah, no more literally fighting. Being like, All
0: right, go to your different corners now. Yeah. Right? You've had your fight, and now you're <laughs> done. If you can't play nice together, then you can't play at all.
1: So, uh, they're, they talk over... What happened on the Enterprise? Spock is like, Yeah, we saw the back half of it, but not the very end. Like, did you kill that Gorn? And he's like, No, I didn't. And he's like, What did the Metron say to you? And he's like, Turns out we're a pretty promising species. Nya, nya, nya. And they head back to Cestus III. It was
0: great. I just do have to point out that uh, Kirk also says the verbatim quote perhaps in several thousand years, you know, will be a, a whatever, whatever. But I just love that he just quotes again what the mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Metron said to him. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this episode, we could just breeze through the discussion because, again, there's just so much action on screen. There's very yep. little dialogue. So it's hard to describe beat for beat, everything. Because, you know, you can't be like, well, Kirk jumps to the left and then the Gorn goes right. And then yep. he, he moves this way. It's like, that's what it would be. It really yep. is truly and I don't know, it wasn't a satisfying resolution just to have them like not talk it out more. Like just be like, you know, well, maybe one day we'll talk to the Gorn. Yeah. Maybe I guess, who knows? Maybe we'll meet you again, Metrons. Yeah. Maybe who knows? Bye bye. And then moving on and doing our own damn thing and just leaving that, you know, hanging. Okay. Sure.
1: Yep. Pretty much. Um, it's a, it was a breezy episode it was, of course, directed by Joseph Pevney, um, and he was, yeah, it was, it was supposed to be shot in seven days, but they're like, if you can do this in six days, we'll give you 500 extra dollars, and he fucking did it. Goddamn. Uh, Shatner was like, this was a me episode, which meant that I was doing 14 pages a day, um, and no one was giving me 500 extra fucking dollars, you Oof, know? a goof. So that's pretty funny. Um, originally in Kuhn's script, uh, the Metatron or the Metron admits that all along they'd actually planned to destroy the ship of the winner of the personal oh. con combat because Twist. that race would be a greater danger, yeah, to them. the
0: more violent of the two. Interesting,
1: mm-hmm. um. And yeah, that's most things. One little, cute little thing that happened on set was, of course, Pevney was like, I am ready to get this done quickly. Hey, Finnerman, of course, we know the director of photography, Finnerman, who had to to puke on the first days of shooting because he was so nervous. They're like, he's like, Finnerman, like, don't hold us up. And Finnerman was like, oh, like it's camera? ever holding anyone up like it's ever camera like holding people up up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he (laughs) started like fucking around a little bit he's the cinematographer of course and he's just like uh so when we got to the this is a quote from pitterman So we got into the first shot and we started to get people in. They're not even makeup and only half dressed. And I'm like, Joe, do you want a little light to work with? And he's like, sure. So I set a huge stage lamp and uh, he said, let me hit this light. So we hit the light. Joe rehearsed and he said to me, well, that's your shot. These guys aren't even in wardrobe. And I said, ready. And he said, what? And I said, ready. So we did this for about half a day when he finally took me aside And was like, "Hey, I like you. Let's be friends. Let's be friends. Like, let's both be friends." And Fitterman was like, "Wrong foot. Okay, but I'm fast though. Like, I'm really fast." And he's like, "You are very fast. Good job. Let's be friends." And they were friends for the rest of the episode. They were fine.
0: He proved his point.
1: Yeah, basically. Maybe one day we will be. I'm ready. I'm fucking ready to film. I'm ready right now.
0: Maybe (laughs) several thousand years, we shall reach an agreement.
1: Um, on the bridge, there's someone new sitting next to Sulu, uh, yeah. a young man with laminated hair. He is Sean Kennedy, um, and they brought him in because they wanted to get some more young hot guys on oh. uh, okay. on the bridge for the uh, youths, and that eventually is... Uh, yeah, he, he didn't stick around, mm. um, but that's why he was there, um, and yeah it, it, basically they end up replacing sort of or putting in that role of course uh dekoning as uh checkoff yeah as oh, yeah. oh, okay. checkoff uh, and some checkoff.
0: He's not until the second season, correct
1: Not until the second season, but he was brought in by Joe Peffney oh.
0: who had worked with him before interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: apparently also Sean Kennedy uh or Kenny who who was that guy in the front um apparently the buttons that they would press on that were like lit up on the board would get really hot and the plastic would melt okay (laughs) because like they just you know there were there were no low voltage bulbs so everything was just really hot yeah and that's arena
0: that's Arena. I thank you for guiding me on this. You did a much better job recapping this than if it was my job to recap it, because mine would have been <laughs> what we did at the top. They're, they come in. There's a Gorn. They fight. Uh, then they get they realize the transmitters work, and they basically come to agreement saying, "Hey, let's just not kill each other." And then an alien comes down and says, ah, you're not killing each other is what we meant the whole time. The weapons yes. was diplomacy and bye, I'm a child, but I'm 1,500 years old. Wee!" <laughs> it just is like, okay, sure. Like a lot of weirdness going on. But I, I think I did... I think I maybe struggled ever so slightly in trying to really understand why this got as big as it did. Like, it must have mm-hmm. just been the people remembered that damn lizard suit, and it's just so iconic in their brain. And it's because otherwise, I don't know what from this I would be remembering. It literally is just the lizard suit and the weird boy, you know, boy at the end.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I I tend to agree. I mean, it's, again, it's one of those things we've seen done a bunch of times now. But hadn't really seen done before. Um, But I think it's just the lizard suit, to be perfectly honest. My favorite thing about this episode is that when I was a child in middle school, in like fourth grade or fifth grade, we had a thing called Just Imagine Club. Okay. And that is during lunch, if you were a fucking nerd, you could watch old horror movies with the PE teacher instead of having to do recess like a normal person. Oh my god. And one time, this PE teacher was out, and so the media teacher got to pick what it was going to be, and he said, all right, like, this isn't a movie, it's a TV show, but it features a man fighting a lizard, and that's all I'm going to say. And I was sitting there, like, my little, like, fourth grade self, and I'm like, I think it's Star Trek. That sounds like Arena. I think he's gonna fight the Gorn. Ooh. And I was right. And I was Nailed so it. excited and none of my friends would watch it with me.
0: <gasps> Rude. Rude. <laughs>
1: They're all like, okay, Emily, we get it. You're excited that you were right. And I'm like, but also it's a fun episode.
0: See, to be fair, that's me as well. I get more excited than I'm right, but then I'm like, but it's also fun, but I'm more excited than yeah.
1: I'm right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh so yeah, that was Arena.
0: That was Arena. Alright, so Emily, it's time. It's time for me to guess what the next episode is going to be. Am I going to go two for two in a row? Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is yesterday. Yes. Okay. So, tomorrow is yesterday. I'm going to go out on a limb and say time travel Mm -hmm. because what else would tomorrow is yesterday mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's far back time travel or if it's like oh we get to redo the day's events that we just did and like correct our mistakes Yay. kind of thing maybe mm-hmm. but i'm just gonna guess it's we're gonna have a time travel yep
1: okay okay i'm we're just gonna that jump into the time in the travel is it groundhog day or is it uh all the way back
0: or is it back to the future yeah back, to the future, back to the future or groundhog day which one mm-hmm. is it yeah Thank you so much, Emily, for guiding us. Thank
1: you so much. And
0: as we always say at the end of the episode, live long and prosper.
1: Live long and prosper. Self-Suck Dad
0: is back on the menu.
1: Self-suck! (laughs) Self-suck. I need to
0: pause real quick. My cat is just... What are you doing? Do you have something in your mouth? What? (laughs) Buddy, buddy, I need to pay. I think he ate part of a plant and is just like trying to spit it back up.
1: Oh, poor guy. Little fellow. Okay, I'm ready. Let's hang out here for a second. Catch our breaths. We just, that was the cutest sneeze I've ever heard.
0: Yes, this cat is too much. It, we, this will be a little outtake, but this cat has been on my shoulder for minutes now. And he is making chilling. The, the little, he's chilling. He's a shoulder cat. He went to the vet on Monday and he got a little thing. It's like, I heart. And it says, I heart being on shoulders, um, people and meow. Meow. You're being very good at about not meowing on it's because you got a shoulder to sit on. <gasps> Who is that? It's
1: Jordan. Oh, oh, Captain President. <laughs> Dr. Okay. Captain President. I love Dr. it.
0: Dr. Captain President. <gasps> oh.